Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Welcome to Family Reunion. Are you glad you're here today? Man, I'm glad I'm here. I'm going to tell you all something. I'm so glad you come to first service because by second service, I'm pooped out. And uh, that's why I got to get healthy, man. Uh, so uh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited about uh, wrapping up today on on this uh I've been preaching for the last couple of weeks, and, and I, I'm excited to wrap this up today, and then we'll move on to something for next Sunday. 10 o'clock next Sunday. Everybody say 10 o'clock. So, no, let's just change that. Let's don't say 10 o'clock. Everybody say 930. 930. I'm going to come at 930. The house is going to be full. Uh, we're going to dress, you know, dress uh, a little more comfortable, and we're going to be outside, and we're going to have fun and all kinds of things for the kids, and it's going to be a great time. I love, love, love Big Summer Blowout because it gives us a chance to connect, and so come, stay, hang out. It will be hot, so you can bring you a little fan, and we'll put some fans out and tents out and shade, and we'll have it all prepared for you, and so it's going to be a great time. Come hang out with us, and it's going to be fun, fun, fun. Everybody said amen. amen. So uh, two years ago on Big uh, Summer Blowout, I preached a message uh, uh, dealing with generations. Anybody remember that, that message I preached on generations where I talked about labels, how we label the generations. And so uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about generations again. But I went back to that message and I picked out a few things just to give you a, a few things about uh, these uh, generations and what they look like. Uh, baby boomers, uh, they were called the boomers because they, we believe that they have, they, they believe that when you had babies, it was good for business. It was causing economic growth. So that's why they were called baby boomers. And then the generation X, which is those born from 1965 to 1984, uh, 48, 1984, that dyslexic kicking in there. And the, uh, the, they're re referred to as the unknown generation or the lost generation. And uh, exposed them a lots of they were exposed to a lot of daycare and and divorce and 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 a lot of that stuff going on in their lives and and they were the generation that didn't show up to vote uh, they just didn't turn out there were a lot of skeptics and then their attitudes was what's in it for me what's in it for me it was the what's in it for me generation so you had the baby boomers then the generation X and then and then comes the Millennials the Millennials have been beat up more than any generation I'm so tired of hearing negative stuff about millennials. Amen. Come on, we need to love some millennials. Amen. Then comes the millennials, 1984. Here's what's funny. It goes to 2004, and I get tickled at people talking about millennials. One guy in our church was talking about the millennials, and I said, you are a millennial. Do you realize that? And he's like, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. You're a millennial. And when I told him what year the millennials began in 84, he's like, oh, I am a millennial. I said, you're hating on your own generation. <laughs> 80 million Americans are labeled the millennials, exposed to everything from day one, known to have an attitude of entitlement in the me generation. With exceptions, the, 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 you know, some would say, take, they, they all think, oh, take care of me. I deserve to be taken care of with the great expectation. Then there was MySpace. How many remember MySpace? Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, etc. They go on and on. There's too many to list nowadays. And this was the selfie generation that invented the fish lips. <laughs> their identity shaped, their identities were shaped around social media. And then Generation Z comes along. And this is where the real baby boomers are because there was more babies born in the Z generation there was in the baby boomer generation. About 25% of the U.S. Is, comes from the Z generation. 
And uh, they no longer believe in the American dream. They're more independent, and they lean more to entrepreneurship and desiring things uh, uh, that they could do on their own because they watched their parents and their siblings suffer in the workplace. And now we have this generation called, and I think this is so interesting. I didn't tell you this last time because I didn't know this. This generation today, being born today, is called the Alpha Generation. The Alpha Generation. Possibly the smartest generation ever to come on the scene because they have technology and they have all the answers in their hands every day. And they, I don't know if you are around these kids today, but if you ask a question, they don't answer the question. They pick up their phone, they Google, then answer. So they're inundated with lots of information that took us. How many, how, many, how many of you old folks are in the house this morning? And remember when we had to do a book study in school, it meant go to the library, get 65 books, go through them all, find information, right? Right? I have, I have in my office, I have uh, uh, some books. And matter of fact, I'll give them to somebody that wants them. It's called Bible Illustrator. They're fantastic. And if you like hard books, you can have those because I will never use them again because I have, uh, I have a uh, computer and my computer has every book I would ever want to look up and I put one word in and everything comes up out of 15 different books, right? So I don't use those anymore. But this generation has so much information coming at them. Now, I will say this. I have heard my kids quote some information that they got probably off of Wikipedia or somewhere that I said, that's incorrect information. And so, so we're, they're getting inundated with information, but not all of it's definitely correct as the, as the world tries to change history and change some of those things. But they have a lot, their minds are, are moving much faster and quicker and they're a very smart generation. And uh, more so than the millennials, uh, they have adapted their entire life to technology. If you walk into a restaurant, you'll notice that a parent will have their kids sitting at the end of the table and they will have a phone in their hand and they'll be entertaining themselves from the early, early age, probably 18 months and up. They have a phone and parents have somewhat checked out of the educational field. We don't say no, no, no as much because we, they're focused. We need to know what they're watching though on these phones. It's very important that we know that because there's a lot of, lot of stuff out there educating them that we don't want them to be educated about. And I just took, had a minute to put up this picture because every generation is still uh, a, ha, living today has adopted, has adopted the cell phone, the smartphone. Can you put that pick up for me? Do you have that pick? Huh? No, don't. One second. I reminded you before church. <laughs> You know what? They had lots of technical difficulties this morning. They didn't start worship practice till time for church to start because I do appreciate this team. So it's okay. You can put it up if you get it. If you don't, it's no big deal. It's a picture of a family sitting on a couch, uh, four generations or three generations, and they all have a device in their hand. So you can picture that with me this morning. Just uh, an entire family, grandparents, mom and dad, granddaughter and they're all looking at it some type of device we live in a world where we're we have more information but more disconnect than ever before more information and more disconnect i find it i find it quite amusing that parents don't know their children and children don't really know about their parents 
How many, how many people we have in here today that's over, listen, this is gonna be okay, this is, I'm not calling you old, that you're over 50 years old. And out of those people, how many know where your parents were raised? How many's ever been there? Most of the generation living today don't even have a relationship to where their parents or grandparents was even raised. Don't understand where they came from because we're living in such a disconnected world. And uh, I told my daughter the other day I was going to take them for a little tour of where my dad was raised. It hasn't changed much. I was there for a funeral a few weeks ago in Frogmore, Louisiana. Anybody know where Frogmore, Louisiana is? Yeah, you know where, uh, let's see, what's close to that, Fair Day? Yeah. Angela knows. She was raised up in those, those woods up there. So, so that place hasn't changed much. I mean, I went driving. We went to the cemetery. It was out by my aunt's house. And, I mean, it's just little soybean patches and, 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 and little farmhouses here and there. And, and my kids have never been there to see where their dad was raised, their granddad was raised. And I, I think sometimes we're losing relationship and connection because we're so inundated with information. And so uh, we, we have a constant, constant ongoing appetite for more, more, more. Now, my dad is uh, 83 years old, 82, 83 years old, and he is on his phone and on his Facebook more than I am by far, probably more than my kids. Uh, and I think it's cool that he stays connected to his children through these, through social media and, and through these things. Um, I told my kids, some one of my kids posted on vacation this week of me jumping off a rock uh, about 20 foot in the air and they were playing another one bites the dust. And I told them, I said, hey dude, don't be posting my life on Facebook. I don't post my life. Don't be posting me on Facebook. But, we can't, but my dad had already seen that. My dad said, boy, you better too old be jumping off that rock, boy. <laughs> He's probably right. But the truth of the matter is, is we're connected in one way, but we're disconnected in intimate places in our life. And because we're disconnected in intimate places, I'm, this is going somewhere spiritually in just a moment. Because we're disconnected intimately, we have lost this connection that keeps us balanced and in order. And I'll get back to that in a minute. This brings me to my main point. How should we do life as a spiritual family? How should we do life as a family and how should we do life as a spiritual family? A spiritual family consists of fathers, mothers, siblings, and children. We need fathers and mothers to pour into our lives. We need brothers and sisters to walk with us. And I've mentioned this several times over the last few weeks of how we need each other to walk in our lives. We need one another. We need one another. I was telling someone this week, when you ever decide that you can do this on your own, you're in big trouble already. Because there's going to be times in your life, I want you to hear me this morning, there's going to be times in your life that the, this is an old saying for us old folks, when the ox is in the ditch, and you're gonna need someone to help you pull it out. But if you've never helped pull somebody else's out, you're probably not gonna have anybody helping you pull the ox out of the ditch when you need some help because you've lost relationships. There's gonna be times in your life when you need intercessors in your life. There's gonna be times when you need prayer warriors in your life. And I mentioned this last Sunday that my friend Jeff Ramsey in Menden, he, uh, he, he's been 
sick, but he's also been fasting. And I tell, I tell him, look, this is not the time for you to fast. This is time for you to call your friends and intercessors and say, I'm not, I need a breakthrough, but I need you to fast for me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to lift your hands up for me. And we need people in our lives. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So let's start with fathers and mothers. Since 2002, there has been a massive decline in church. In 17 short years, only 30, this is nationally, only 37% or a little less than that because that statistic came out two years ago. 37 cents or less of Protestants are attending church in America. The stats for Louisiana is, 20, is 10% less than that. It's 27% are attending church in America. So why is that? Research shows that baby boomers retired from religious duties at home and at church. Research is showing that, that, that baby boomers, how, how many of y'all are baby boomers in here? Don't raise your hand, but I'm preaching to you. That baby boomers have retired from their religious duties at home and at church. Now, they use the word religion in that research, and I know that we don't, we're not wanting to be religious people, and I get that. But there's been such a dislike for religion that there's become a dislike for Christianity. And those are not the same thing. Right. Jesus had an issue with, with the religious people of his day, but he, didn't have a, he was obviously bringing about a revolution of a, where people would walk with God and have a relationship with God that would be greater, not lesser. And our appetite has gotten uh, tainted with all the religious stuff that we have in America. But instead of us getting closer to God and having a greater relationship with God, we've lessened our relationship with God. And we've checked out. I get it. I get it. We all become very, 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 very disgusted with all the religious stuff. But in the middle of that, the baby boomers, listen to me, baby boomers, have forgotten to pass on a tremendous inheritance. The greatest inheritance you're going to leave your kids is not your money, not your house, not your land, none of those things. The greatest inheritance you will leave your children is the truth. Amen. I talked last Sunday about my coming back to church and how... You know, when I came back to the Lord, here's what I really came back to. I want to be honest with you. I came back not to church, but I came back to the Father. And the Father was waiting on me. Some of the people wasn't, but the Father was waiting on me. He hadn't give up on me. But there was also another Father that I came back home to. His name is Lynn Poole. You see, I knew that in my house where I was raised that there was going to be a man that was going to get up every morning, read his Bible, pray, and t taught us about loving God. There was no option of going to church. Matter of fact, I don't ever remember in my entire childhood discussing whether I was going to church or not. I don't remember that being a subject. You know what I mean? We just got up and went to church. Nobody said, well, I don't feel like going to church today. You know, if you said that, you were throwing up. 
all right? You were burning up with fever. And then sometimes we went anyway because dad was responsible and mom was teaching Sunday school. So they put you in the corner in the Sunday school room and said, don't touch nobody. Just throw up over there. <laughs> My dad was the first person at church on Sunday morning and the last person to leave. He turned the lights on, he turned them off. When I was just a little boy, I got involved in bus ministry. Not because I was made to, but because I was taught that doing, serving the Lord was an incredible thing. And so we have forgotten to pass on this incredible gospel and sound doctrine to the next generation, leaving us with today non-believers that have very little instruction and less encouragement to follow Christ. As a matter of fact, if a young person gets a desire in their heart to follow Christ, it's an uphill battle because there's no teachers teaching them how to go. Now, I, I told someone before service today that I wasn't going to get a lot of amens because I was coming real today. But I want to turn this ideal around that we need mothers and fathers in the house. Let's not leave all the responsibility of a few leadership people in the church. We need mothers and fathers, not only in the home, but in the house. I hear people, baby boomers, talking about how disgusted they are with our government and how that we're losing history and they're worried about us losing our patriotism and we're losing all that. I wish that some of us would get just as concerned about the church. Because where goes the church, there goes the nation. And we got the cart before the horse. We're worried about the nation when we should be worried about the church. I remember several years ago, we were talking about bringing prayer back in the schools, and we got a bunch of pastors together. We was going to do this whole rally at the school board, and we was gonna, all this stuff that we had planned to bring prayer back in the schools. And I was sitting down, I'll never forget it, in front of the, City Hall in Hammond, and I was, I was praying, and I was sitting in my truck praying, going to have a meeting, and the Lord said, why are you worried about prayer in the schools? There's not even prayer in the home. Listen, righteousness exalted the nation. The nation does not exalt the church. And if we want to see a transition and we want to see a change in our nation, let's step up and be the fathers and mothers that God has called us to be. Proverbs 22, 22 and 6 in the Passion Translation says, Dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. And the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. King James Version says it like this, tramp a child the way that should go when they're old, they shall not depart from it. I think that there's been a misunderstanding of that scripture. And this is what I think has been missed in that passage of scripture. Training up a child in the way they should go is not dragging them to church. Okay, let me get down here. <laughs> Training up a child in the way they should go is being the church. That's it. 
You see, when we drag them to church on Sunday and then we fuss, cuss, and fight all week, that's what they think the church looks like. But when we bring them to church and then we live out what the church is to look like, that's when they're anchored in the truth. Say, pastor's pastor in this morning. So, so, we, we're, we're, so we have moved from this place in, over the time where we no longer want to drag them to church because we feel like we cannot force them to do anything. Oh, let me help you just a minute. I hated school every single day I went. My mother-in-law here was my teacher. She'll tell you that's true. I hated school every single day. I cannot remember. People talk about, oh, my fun memories of school. I had one leaving. That was my fun memory of school. I hated school. I struggled. I have dyslexia. School was horrible for me. It was a battle. But I don't ever remember my parents saying, son, listen, if you don't want to go, and I know it's a struggle, and just stay at home. <laughs> it's optional. No, my parents said, no, you're going to school. And, and sometimes it was with a little help on the backside. <laughs> but you're going. Now, there were days when I got in high school that they didn't know that I wasn't going. Because <laughs> I did leave the house. But I was going to school, training up a child in the way they should go. It's funny to me that people will insist that their kids go to school, but church is optional. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I knew I was going to get a whole bunch of amens this morning. <laughs> Titus 2 says this, Your duty is to teach them to embrace the lifestyle that is consistent with sound doctrine. Lead the, male el- lead, the male elders to dis- lead the male elders to discipline into discipline lives fully dedic- diligent, dignity <laughs> to self-control. Urge them to have solid faith. Encourage them to have solid faith, generous love, patient endurance. Come here and say patient endurance. If you're going to raise kids, you better have some patient endurance. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, all you kids in here think we're beating up on you, but you're going to raise kids too one day, and you're going to need some patient endurance. Likewise, with the female elders, lead them into lives free from gossip and drunkenness and and to be teachers of beautiful things. This will enable them to teach the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children and to be self-controlled and pure, taking care of their household and being devoted to their husbands. By doing this, these things, the word of God will not be discredited. Likewise, guide the younger men into living disciplined lives for Christ. Be an example. Now, I need you to hear what I'm saying today, okay? I want everybody to focus up here and listen to what I'm about to tell you. 
because I don't want nobody to go and say, this is what I heard pastor say. It's being recorded. So <laughs> we make a little joke around the office sometimes. That that's not what I heard. So I want you to hear what I'm saying. All right. It's real important that you hear what I'm saying. I'm not against sports. My daughter's playing soccer this year. My other daughter's playing volleyball. I'm not against sports. I'm not against dance. I'm glad you're taking your kids to dance. They need to learn how to dance. That's real important. I'm not against education. I think we should educate our kids. I was telling some young men this morning, are you excited school started? Embrace it. You got a few years, then you get to go to college. Just go ahead and embrace it. I'm for education. I'm not against vacation. I just had a fabulous vacation with my family. I love parties. How many like parties? I can't wait till next Sunday because it's going to be a party. I love parties and I love people. I love hunting and I love fishing. I love this week as we was boating as a family together. That was so much fun. And I could go on with all of these things that we love. But we have made so many things a priority over teaching our children to love the word, to pray, and to serve others, and to attend the house of God. All of these things have taken priority. All of these things have come first. And we feel like that we're in a generation that's forced by social things around us to entertain, entertain, entertain. Listen to me this morning. We have entertained our families asleep. I was talking to Pastor Angela, our children's pastor, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about Bible verses, learning Bible verses, and getting our children into it. Or uh, no, it was Easter, I think it was. We was talking about Easter like last Easter. Let's like let's give away a big Easter basket to the ones who learn, bring the most kids, and the ones who who brings a friend. And I remember when I was a kid growing up, when they was going to give away a gift like that, dude. I had every kid in the neighborhood going to church because I was going to win a prize. I was going to get that big Easter basket with all that candy in it, and I was going to be awesome. And so she implemented that, and not one kid was interested in bringing nobody to church. Not one kid was interested in winning the big prize and going to Elevation Station. You know why? Because they do it every day. It was no big deal. You'd have to send them to the moon to get them excited. We have entertained our children to death. Are y'all hearing me this morning? When they get to be teenagers. Man, when I got to be a teenager, let me tell you something. My dad said, son, you want a car? You better start saving your money. He started telling me that about 13. At 15, I bought my first four-wheel drive pickup truck. And my dad wouldn't let me get my license because I wasn't mature enough to drive. So I drove it up and down the driveway and washed it a lot for six months. I had the title in my hand. I paid for it myself in full. He said, when you grow up, you can drive. And he was right because the few weeks after he let me start driving it, I tore the drive shaft out of the front and the back of it, acting a fool. 
don't know why I was saying, but I'm saying this is that we have just entertained, entertained, and our kids have come to the place where they feel like they deserve something with no merit of going for it. Let me, let me get down here a little bit. It's a sad day when they can name everybody on the saints roster but don't know who the 12 disciples are. I had a guy one time was telling these kids they need to learn the books of the Bible and he was really upset because they hadn't learned the books of the Bible so I asked him to say them. And he couldn't say them. I said, why are you telling them to learn something you can't say? See, we don't lead our children by telling them what to do. We lead our children by doing what they should do. And when everything is optional in our lives, based on what activities we got going on, then everything will be optional in their lives. No, let's reel this in because I know some of y'all saying that, Pastor, look, if you take your family and you go off for the weekend to Six Flags or Disney World or the lake or the river, great, I'm all for that. I tell pastors that I coach all the time, I said, look, don't be fussing at your people for going off on the weekend to the lake or golfing or whatever they do. Don't fuss at them because you did that on Monday while they were working. So don't be fussing at them because they spent the weekend going to the river, going to the lake, going golfing, going shopping. Don't do that. By the same token, we've gotten to the time in our lives that, man, everything is optional. And our commitment to God and to our family, and to those things that are mostly important in our life, we opt out of if something more entertaining or fun comes along. Yeah. Now, I, knew, I, I know this morning I'm stepping on all kinds of toes. But if we want to see a generation, and some, listen to me, baby boomers, if you want your grandkids to live for God, then you got to lead by example. If you want your children to live for God, you got to lead by example. And you've got to realize that it's time to step up to the plate and father and mother children. Not when I say children, I'm not talking about children. I'm talking about let, let me let me help you with this. My dad will still call me today and father me. And I'm 55. And I like it. I remember about two years ago, my dad called me and said, son, I was praying this morning and the Lord just put something on my heart. And I was like, okay. So I'm sitting in my driveway. I'm going to get real honest with you, okay, this morning. I'm going to get vulnerable with you. I know y'all like when I say that word. <laughs> I did it on purpose. So I'm, I'm going to get real honest with you this morning. My dad called me and said, I, I've been praying this morning. He said, I, I feel like 
that I need to tell you this Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning that you're not treating your wife the way she should be treated. I was very upset that he said that because I treat my wife pretty darn good. But the Lord had spoke to him about how I was, my tone of voice and how I was speaking to her. Not what I was saying, but how I was saying it. And honestly, I got a little aggravated. And I defended myself just a little bit. But then I sit in the truck. He says, son, that's not for me. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit said to me this morning. So I sit in the truck, and all of a sudden, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me. And I began to cry, John. I just began to weep in my car. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, you used old Pop again. He gave me a spanking this morning. He used to use a belt, but he used his tongue. And he gave me a good old-fashioned spanking this morning. And I went in the house, and I said to my wife, she's at the computer working. She worked from home at the time. And I said, I want to tell you, I'm sorry for the way I've been treating you. And I got down on my knees, and I repented. You know what God did? He healed something that could not have been healed had not a father who prayed, listened to God, and spoke into my life because I didn't even realize what I was doing. I wasn't in my notes this morning, but I felt like I should say that this morning because there comes a time in our life that we've got to understand that fathering doesn't stop when our children leave the house. And spiritual fathers, I'm a spiritual father to many, many people. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. If we gain the whole world and we lose our soul and our children are lost, what do we gain? If we got the biggest house in the neighborhood, we drive the best cars, we have the finest clothes, and our children and our children's children don't know the Lord, what do we gain? It's time for us to equip and disciple the generation that follows us. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're, they're not, we're always, they're millennials. A bunch of millennials. And we label. You know, the, the, the millennials really haven't dropped the ball. It's us that's dropped the ball. And uh, our primary mission should be to teach and to encourage. Yes. And we often stand back and complain about the millennials, how loud and how lazy and how entitled they are. But in reality, we just don't like the way they do church. Statistics say this. I didn't write this. I found this in, a, in, a, in a research that the baby boomers don't like the way the millennials do church. So they sit back and criticize, but they haven't taught because they've retired. So we get to make a decision. Are we going to be critical or are we going to worship with them? And listen, no generation should do church the same way you used to do church. I am so thankful this morning we have air condition. And we're not in a brush harbor. I would not feel any holier. I'm glad for air condition. I'm glad we're not still doing church the way we did it even 10 years ago. 
I'm glad that we're changing. We're, that we're moving forward. And, and my bishop used to say all the time, generations and church culture and how we do church will change, but the word of God and the message cannot change. And we're not changing the doctrine. We're not changing the word of God. We're not changing those things. But we, but we are seeing church done differently. And we should embrace that and keep teaching what God has given us. Now, let me talk to the kids a little bit. I'm going to wrap up. When I say kids, you might be 30 years old or 35 years old when I call you a kid today because I'm moving to the next generation. Children, obey your parents. And those that God has put in place over your life, listen to wise counsel. We live in a time, and I tell you what, I am so upset with the time that we live in when there's such a disrespect for authority. And I'm going to say it again, there's no way in the world I'd be a policeman or a school teacher because I'd be in jail. I'd be tasing everybody. There's such a disrespect for authority. There's such a disrespect. And I know, listen, I know that there's been, there's, there's been this disrespect from authority. And that's why the churches don't have spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers because spiritual father is not someone who says, I'm your spiritual father and you're going to do what I tell you to do. My son-in-law is sitting over here. He'll tell you. I do not interrupt in their life and tell them how to live their life and how to manage their home and how he should treat my daughter and how he should do this and how she should do that. I don't do that. I'm a father. And when they come to me and ask me a question, I answer their question. There's one thing I love about Peyton. Peyton is wise enough to know that he doesn't know it all. And he's made this statement several times. And he's correct. You, you need the strength and the, the, and the youth of a younger generation, and we need the wisdom of the older generation. And as spiritual fathers, there's been abuse in the church. I realize that there's been dictators and manipulators and aggravators. It's been all that. But because something's, something somewhere has been bad doesn't mean that it was was always meant to be bad there's good that comes out of spiritual fathers and mothers and teachers and so I'm going to say this again to young people listen submit to those spiritual fathers submit to those spiritual mothers in your life submit to those people in your life and go to them for counsel don't, don't be wise enough to know that you need counsel and when you go to them, you say, hey, I want you to speak into my life. I want you to mentor me. I love pouring into people's life to listen. Man, that's so much fun. I had a meeting with a young lady uh, a week or so ago, and Audrey set up the meeting, and I said, well, I'm excited to go meet with this young lady because she listens to what I tell her. It's so much fun to go counsel with her or to mentor her because she listens. But I'm not going to be, I'm going to be real honest. It's, it's be, we're going to be honest this morning. There's sometimes that people say, well, I want to meet with pastor. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, they why they want to meet with me? <laughs> I've said the same thing 700 times. They do nothing. Yeah, come on. 
And what they really want me to do is meet with them and finally come into agreement with them of the lifestyle they've chosen to live. So just tell them we're okay with it. Have a blast. Enjoy your destruction. Go for it. It's your life. You can do with it what you want. But when people come to, 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 to meet with you and, to and you to father them and mentor them and they embrace and they, look, I don't mean that they got to go out and do everything you said. But take, take the pieces and the parts and put together what God, Holy Spirit's speaking to you and then go out and, be, and, and do what God's called you to do. And you pour into their lives and you listen. Listen, young people. Listen, moms and young mom and dads. God's got so much in store for your life. Open your heart to the wisdom of God. And when we don't take sound advice and we choose to be stubborn, it leads to destruction. I could preach a whole message on stubbornness. The scripture says this sin of witchcraft. Okay, I'm not going to start preaching that. It's wrong for a spiritual father and mother to demand. It's wrong for them to control. It's wrong for them. But it's so good to have people in your life that help you along the way. Last summer when my, my spiritual father passed away, the bishop in my life, even though I didn't talk to him weekly or monthly, I felt, I remember I was in California, and I felt such a loss. I felt such a loss that Bishop Tenney had passed away because there's never been a time in my life that I got into a crisis moment that I couldn't pick up the phone and call him and say, hey, listen, I need to ask you a question. And sometimes it was funny how the answers he gave me. One time I called him and I said, I was early on in pastor, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, I knew that before you went down there. <laughs> Thank you for the encouraging word. I need help. He said, well, son, some things you're just gonna have to learn through the process and through the ups and the downs. You're called a pastor. God's gonna show you some things. I said, that's not the answer I wanted, but really was the answer I needed mm -hmm. because he was telling me to stick with it. Yeah. Stick with it. I still hear his voice sometimes speaking into my life because I open my heart to sound leadership. So you ask yourselves, do you want a mentor or you, you want someone just to, a mentor or someone just to agree with you? Proverbs 22 says this. Although rebellion is woven into the, a young man's heart, tough discipline can make him into a man. Everybody say discipline. discipline. What time is it? Discipline. There's a time that we need discipline. Did you know that the root word discipline comes from the Latin word pupil? which provided the word or the word source of the word disciple. So, oh man, I want to be a disciple. I want, to, I, want, I, want, I want there to be some discipleship in my life, but you don't want any discipline. You can't have discipleship without discipline. Are y'all with me this morning? I know we're not running the aisles, but we're helping somebody. Everybody wants to be disciple, but nobody wants discipline. Why has discipline become such an ugly word in our culture today? 
And I could preach another whole message just on discipline alone. It's all throughout the Bible. It's threaded throughout the Bible. And this discipline is not just disciplining our children, but this is discipline that comes from spiritual fathers and mothers. It's correction. Now, we think of the word discipline. We think somebody's supposed to get a beating. Or somebody's going to have to put their nose in the corner and get time out or whatever you do. But sometimes discipline is just is the reins that are put on you to pull you back. If there's no reins or no guidance in your life, you will drift into places that you don't want to go. Restraint brings anointing and power. We don't like the word discipline or restraint in our culture today. That's, ooh, that's an ugly word. But restraint brings a power and anointing. Where there's just a free-for-all, guess what happens? Destruction. There has to be some restraint in our life. And so when you, when you embrace restraint, then you hear the word of the Lord. You have those mothers and fathers in your life. You embrace the discipline that they bring into your life. And God brings anointing and power into your life that changes you, that teaches you. Such a powerful thing. I'm about to quit. Can I help you today? This type of attitude is hurting our ability to grow in our God-given destiny. I want you to just think about something this morning. I want you to think about how you could em- re- embrace some restraints in your life. Now, look, I love freedom. Let, let, me, let me just say this. I love that we are free. So I'm not talking about rules and regulations. I'm talking about restraint or discipline that brings the anointing. I'm not talking about here's your rule book. Well, that is your rule book, but here's your man-made rule book. Follow this. I'm talking about restraint. There's sometimes in your life that people can see something in your life that's going to be devastating in your life. And it may not be what I may say to Matthew may not apply to Michelle. And as a spiritual father, I may say, hey, Matthew, look. You need to have some restraint in those areas of your life because it's going to lead you into some things. Because a spiritual father can see down the road. They, they may conceive from some situations their own life has been in. And they can, they, it's like telling your kids, look, I love you, but you can't play in the road. There's going to be some restraint Sometimes you have to restrain yourself. I was standing on top of that 20-foot rock the other day, and I was contemplating diving off of it, which I'd already checked out for all you that worry. I'd checked out to make sure that there was no rocks underneath the water deep enough for me to dive. And I was going to dive off of that rock. As I was standing up on that rock, I'm standing up there and I'm thinking, 
Well, my kids are going to think this is cool. Old Pop, 240 pounds, going to make a splash. I'm getting ready to dive off that rock, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. If my legs start coming over, I don't have the agility anymore to correct that. <laughs> and I'm going to land on my back from 20 foot up, and it's going to hurt bad, maybe permanently. You need some restraint in your life, son. What you're about to do is stupid, <laughs> foolish. Just jump off the rock with your feet down. You can do like this till you get there. When I was 20 years old, there would have been no conversation with self at that rock. It would have been a double flip off and if I landed on my back, so what? But at 55, the so what is so what? <laughs> oh, you understand what I'm saying this morning? Sometimes in life as we mature, we've learned that the restraints are wisdom to keep you from destruction. I had just as much fun jumping and probably more, because if I had a dough, that might not have been fun at all. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? We need sometimes just to use some restraints in our life. And we need to listen to those who have authority over us. And we need to make sure that we're taking good counsel. The Bible says in the multiple counsel, there's safety. And I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. There's times in my life that I've had people speak into my life that I didn't like the restraint but I liked the outcome because they were seeing things down the road that I couldn't see. Oh, how I wished I would have listened to some things that I didn't listen to that caused me. I look back, I can say by the same token, I can look back at my life and say, oh, how I wished I would have listened at this point in my life because it would have bettered my life today. There's some scars in my life. There's some pain in my life. There's some things in my life that had I listened to some wisdom, I wouldn't have to wear today. Somebody say amen. So God's placed brothers and sisters in our life to help us grow. They placed mothers and fathers in our life to help us grow. And I end with this. We are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. And I know that's so far in this day and age. Like, oh, no, I ain't my brother's keeper. Nobody getting in my business. I'm not getting in nobody else's business. That's not what family does. My daughter's a senior in high school, Holly. First couple weeks of high school, I think I've mentioned this before. I have this little app on my phone. And it's called Life360. Have a new one now called Find a Friend. It's even better. Now, I don't have this on Holly's phone today. It's his responsibility to keep up with her, not mine. 
But in her senior year of high school, that was my responsibility. And so I called her one day. She was with her friends, and I said, hey, you did not tell me you were going so-and-so, and I see that you are where you're not supposed to be. She come home. She was so mad at me. She said, Dad, my friends think you're a stalker. I said, tell them I am. And not only am I a stalker, I, I, I got lots of guns, and I'm a little bit crazy. Because you're my responsibility. And I'm paying for that car, and I'm paying the insurance, and I'm paying for the phone, and so guess what? I'm stalking you. If you want to use those words, oh, that, that's so weird. I said, well, this, I'm weird. I am, we, I am a weirdo. A freak. Whatever you want to call me. But you're my responsibility. And I'm going to have some restraints. You know why? Not because I don't trust you. Because I don't trust the world you're in. And I'm going to have some restraints on your life because I'm going to do my very best to protect you from destruction. Now, look, I ain't no dummy. I know you can turn the phone off and you can delete the app. And they have done that. And I have called them and said, why is your Live 360 ain't working? Well, oh, 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 oh. all of a sudden it pops back up on the, look at there, a word from the Lord. They just showed right back up on my phone. sometimes in our life that we have to have people helping us along the way because see here's what I saw I saw in my I see in my daughter's life I see God's destiny for their life I see God's plan for their life I see God's vision for their life and I, I see people in this house that I see God's plan for your life and so I'm not going to restrain and not speak into your life when you desire but it shouldn't be all left up to me. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be all, it should, it's not just my responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility in this house. I'm looking at you, hold that grandbaby. You got a lot of responsibility, Pop. A lot of responsibility. Generations here. What will we teach our next generation? And how will they know the truth? And how will they embrace sound doctrine? And how will they know what the, when the Holy Spirit speaking? And how will they know these things unless we teach them? How, how are they going to embrace? The, man, Sunday morning is a celebration. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. Amen. Let's don't just make it about church. But every day of our life, I get to be the church that God's called me to be. Because we're doing family around here. I was finishing up this message. You can stand. I was finishing up this message, and I thought, well, you know what? This is not the best ending.
because we're not all got these feel-good feelings right now. We're just probably doing some evaluation. I know I have. But sometimes in life, we have to do what's right, not what feels good. And I know we live in a society that says do whatever feels good. And I want you to understand that I'm not saying, look, I believe in freedom. I don't believe in legalism and I don't believe in all that stuff. And I thank God. Thank God that I feel free of that. But I do believe in fathers and mothers. And I'm going to say to this congregation this morning, this is where most of our older folks in our house come to first service. So I'm going to just say it. We need to come out of retirement. We need to come out of retirement, moms and dads. And we need to get involved in the kingdom of God and get involved in our children's life like never before. And we need to be full-on, passionately full-on. And sowing into their lives. Sowing into their future. Speaking the word over their lives. Praying over their lives. Helping them see what God sees in them. Helping them develop into everything that they're called to be. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father God, we're just so thankful today.